Hello and welcome to the Glory Glory My Night podcast. I'm your host as always, Kyle Quinn, and I'm joined this week by Callum McFadden from Football CFB. Welcome back, Callum. Delighted to be back, Kyle. Um, when I was on the show the first time, I really enjoyed it, as I'd said to you, so more than happy to come on any time and delighted to be back with you. It's great to have you on the show. Well, today we're going to discuss the West Ham game and the SE Milan tie, and, and unfortunately the West Ham tie was not, or West Ham game was not very exciting um, yesterday. We got the job done, the main thing is we got the three points, but it was a a fairly dull affair, uh, largely thanks to David Moyes parking the bus, playing five at the back and three defensive midfielders, and United are obviously missing a whole host of uh, attacking players. So what was your immediate thoughts on the game, Callum? I thought it was it was utterly dull, as you'd mentioned. The fact that West Ham didn't even have a shot on target sums it up from their point of view. They, they were there simply for a point, and, and that's the one thing about David Moyes, I, I think. I admitted a few weeks ago, several weeks ago now, that I got it wrong in David Moyes. I thought he'd probably be one of the first managers to be sacked at West Ham this season. I thought he was a manager who was a good manager, was a steady manager. Um, Everton, he, he was excellent given the budgets that he had, but probably when you looked at United, such had had Sunderland, even first time around at West Ham, it was steady, if not spectacular. I probably thought, uh, he was a manager who uh, was past his, his sell-by, for want of a better phrase. But he's had a really strong season. And to be honest with you, I think, unfortunately for West Ham fans, David Moyes went back to his default setting. And that was to, as you say, park the bus, try and, try and get a point out of there. And and I don't understand why. When, when you look at this Manchester United team, Kyle, you know as, as well as I do, Yes, people can say they've had four clean sheets, but they're hardly convincing defensively. Um, Dean Henderson in goal had made a high-profile error in the first game against DC Milan. So as far as I could see, if I was West Ham, the first thing I'd be wanting to do would be to put Henderson under pressure. It would be to, to go forward, take shots, test them, and also make the most of every set piece. And, and I think when you've got someone like Aaron Cresswell, it's important that you, you, you try your best to do that. But I just I just felt that they were flat. I have to say, though, I thought, thought United were flat. I think the issue I have with United under Oli Gunnar Solskjaer in the last couple of months, as much as we've been winning games, at times it's as if, it's like, the only way I can compare it, it'd be like a boxing match where you're holding your hands up and waiting on your opponent to hit you first so you can respond. It's bizarre how slow the starts are at times. And there has to be a reason for that. I don't know if it's maybe the players are feeling that they're in a good position and they're maybe quite relaxed and it takes them a while to get going. But the starts from United, for me, are nowhere near fast enough. You look at that Milan game last week, Frank Kessie's goal um, was given. United, again, would be coming, would be having to, to try and come from behind. They got lucky with that one. And they were lucky in the fact that, as I say, West Ham weren't really interested in coming out the traps. Uh, you look at the City game that, that the club won 2 now. you got a penalty within sort of 90 seconds, which which is great. But Roy Keane uh, summed it up. Uh, a, fan, a big fan of Roy, as, as you know, when it comes to his punditry, we talked about it off air. He said that United didn't really need to work for that lead. And that was probably true in that game. And they were able to then go on with the lead and play better. But too often, they need to be woken up by uh, an error from themselves or by a moment of brilliance for the opposition rather than taking the game straight away which to the opposition, which which I find quite strange. Yeah, Gary Nabble, I think, referred to United as the odd bunch. 
because he can be absolutely terrible for 70 minutes and then they'll have a 10 minute spell where they'll score three goals and they'll win games and it's just very very strange they haven't had many performances where they've been good from minute one to minute 90 I I, I don't think there's been one game at all with regards to West Ham um, they're fifth on the table they're in the win with a shout of qualifying for the Champions League why did David Moyes set up as if they were in the relegation zone and fighting for every point. It just didn't make sense. Especially as, like you said, United are vulnerable at the back, despite the clean sheets. So they, they really could have caused some serious problems if they went out and tried to score some goals, but they didn't. As you said, he reverted back to default, David Moyes, and it was very bizarre. And uh, I think we definitely got off the hook in that respect. But I get, I get it to a point because we've seen United struggle to break down you no know, stubborn defences. When teams get 10 men behind the ball, we, we struggle to break them down and Peter uh, Moyes has obviously seen that and that's the tactic he'd said to go with but really I know they were missing Lingard because he can't play against his parent club but why would one, one attacking player missing did he decide to, to set up with, with essentially eight defenders Bizarre and, and I think the thing for David Moyes that, that will be worrying if you're a West Ham fan is is this if he's going to set up like that when the club are sitting fifth and close to a Champions League place when is he ever going to have the confidence to open up and really take the game to the teams at the top? If you're someone like Declan Rice, what would there be to inspire you to commit your future there over the next two or three seasons? If, if if West Ham are in this current position where, I mean, what frustrates me even though he's in a game, I suppose we're analysing West Ham even at the moment more than United, but if I was a West Ham fan, I would be absolutely, absolutely frustrated with the fact You've lost the game anyway, but been very negative and not having a shot at goal. Why, why would you not just go and have a go? You had two players on the bench, you had Lanzini and Ben Rama on the bench, both players who, on their day, could cause United problems. We saw Lanzini's goal against Tottenham earlier in the season, which was an absolute an absolute beauty. So, bizarre that they didn't test United in that regard. But from a United perspective, you can only beat who's in front of you. And The one thing that frustrates me with United... Time and time again, they nearly had two-thirds possession, yet they only have four shots on target, which for me just isn't good enough. And and, and that brings me to the conclusion that United need a long-term number nine. Mason Greenwood, for all of his promise and all of his potential, hasn't scored anywhere near enough goals this season. He hasn't contributed anywhere near enough assists this season. Not going to be too critical of him because he's a young player. Young players that have ups, they have downs, and it's not his fault that he's been relied upon so early within his career. But that that's an issue that needs to be addressed because Martial isn't convincing, as, as, as we both know. I know he, he played well against Manchester City, but that was the first good game in a long, long time. Rashford, not an out-and-out nine, shows you the fact that he's playing wide while Greenwood goes up front. That shows you that's the case. Again, love Marcus Rashford to bits as a player and as a person, but the worst, the one frustrating thing with him is if there's five chances in the game, one's a, an easy sort of one-on-one one with the goalkeeper and four are outside the box, he's more than likely to score outside the box rather than the one-to-one with the goalkeeper. So that's a frustration. And I think when you look at United's team, again, there's that reliance on maybe Bruno Fernandes to provide the moment of magic, whether that's a cross that he did or a shot from range or winning a penalty or whatever it may be because McTominay and Fred are very good at what they do um, I wouldn't say they're elite Premier League midfielders but they, they do a job but they're not creative sparks and, and there was a lot of onus on Fernandes in that game you've got James who's got a lot of pace you've got Rashford who's got a lot of pace 
and you had Greenwood, who obviously, as we've said, is still raw. So I, I just feel that United, if they want to progress and challenge for the trophies, seriously challenge, um, they, they need a number nine because when Cavani plays, and I know people are getting frustrated with Cavani because apparently he wants to leave and, and go to Boca or, or whoever it may be in South America, I, I think his movement shows the difference that a top striker can make to your club. So many times United have chances when he's not playing and you think, if he was on the pitch, I would back him to score that. Or I would back him to at least maybe head, head it back back across the goal for somebody else to convert. And, and that's a big frustration. United need to address that area. I said to, to Phil Brown and beyond the pitch that I, I hoped that United would be able to keep Cavani for another season because I think there's other pressing positions that the club need to strengthen before a striker this summer. Whether whether that's going to be the case or not, I don't know. But I, I think it's going to be a massive summer for Manchester United. My only worry that I have, and I hope I'm completely wrong with this, is there's an element of deja vu. They've given, they're set to give Ole Gunnar Solskjaer a new contract. I don't have any issue with that. I think he's earned a new contract. I think he's been a breath of fresh air as a manager. Um, I think he's developed the squad. You can see the harmony within the squad. You can see results on the pitch improving to the point where United are in second place, which if you asked most people last season, they probably wouldn't have predicted. But at the same time, it's all well and good giving him a new contract and a little pay rise. If you don't back him in the transfer market, then he's on a hiding to nothing because this, this squad's reached a ceiling. This squad is a good squad. It can be a very good squad on its day, but it's not a title-winning squad. And it's been shown this season when you consider they had a gap over Manchester City, they had a gap over Liverpool, and, and we are where we are now. So they have to give them the new contract and back them. Otherwise, the new contract's a waste of time for all involved. OK, we'll definitely get on to the transfer market later in the show. Uh, and there's been some news today regarding number nine. But yesterday, uh, I do think Luke Shaw had another fantastic game. He's arguably United's most important player now. Maybe even ahead of Bruno, which is controversial, I know. And Maguire seems to have improved his form lately. I have been impressed with him. So who stood out for you yesterday, Callum? Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head. I think Luke Shaw's been exceptional uh, for, for, the, for the entirety, really, of the season. I think the competition that Tellez has given him has been great because it's really helped kick him on uh, to the point now that that shows probably, as you say, up with Bruno has been the sort of first names on the team sheet. And I think when Tellez came in, a lot of people who enjoy Football Manager or enjoy FIFA or whatever it may be were really excited because Tellez is always highly rated on those those type of platforms. And I think, I'll be honest, myself included, probably thought Tellez comes in, Shaw probably becomes the sub-left back who comes in and out the team and you see a sort of change in the guard of that position and they maybe recruit a younger one to come in and take over from Tellez in a, in a couple of years. But it's been the complete opposite. Shaw's up to his game. He's been the best left back in the, in the league this season. Uh, obviously, as you can tell by the accent, I'm not English. Um, but I hope he starts for the England national team this summer because it's important that players like him, who are in the form of their life, deserve, they deserve to be, to be recognised, not only at club level, but at international level. And he's been a game-changer for United. The goal against Manchester City just summed up how far his game has come on. I know he doesn't score an awful lot of goals, but the fact he scored a goal in a game of that magnitude said it all for me in terms of his development. Many times, my criticism of Luke Shaw in recent years was he would get into a good position, but he didn't back himself with the power and the pace to take a player on, so he would cut back and play it backwards, whereas now he's direct, he's happy to go um, and overlap. He's also happy to... Come, in, come inside when, when need be as well and, and I think he deserves immense credit for that 
Fernandez, as you say, is always a threat. He's always someone who is dangerous. You see the assist for the goal that, that sums up the fact that he can produce a moment of magic, even just with a cross that can change a game. In terms of others that really impressed me, I have to be honest with you and say other than those two, not, not, not very many. I know there's been uh, praise of Harry Maguire and his leadership skills in recent games. And yes, I would give Harry Maguire some credit for that. But at the same time, I just I just think Maguire is a centre-half. You know what you're getting with Harry Maguire. And I don't think people should go overboard and praise him as being someone like Shaw who's turned the corner and he's going to be a world-beater. I think what you're seeing recently from Harry Maguire is what Harry Maguire is. He's a leader on the pitch. He will rant and rave when he needs to to try and organise people and get them in the right headspace. And when the ball's up there, he will head balls away. He'll be comfortable on the ball when he's got time and space, but he still needs pace around him. And, and again, Lindelof, I know he's had a few good games recently, but long-term, he cannot be the answer alongside Maguire. I think we all agree on that. You need to make a decision this summer on a centre-back and, and I think United United should make that a priority. I've been reading recently that Eric Bailly's in line for a new contract and again I'll be honest, I'm baffled as to why you would commit another three or four years to buy at this stage. He had a good run earlier in the season. Again, gets a little injury, gets a little knock and then he's out of the team. So I think United, United have to be careful with this because if they are going to give new contracts to players like Bay, then they're going to have to accept the criticism if there is an injury that keeps them out long term. Because look at poor Phil Jones, gets new deals, always injured, barely plays. And unfortunately, I just I just worry United are taking the same risk with Bay because as great a player as he is, he's always, always at risk of a serious injury because he is a tenacious tackler and he, he likes to commit himself at all costs. Okay. What about uh, Mason Greenwood yesterday? I think he had a really good performance, but he hit the post a couple of times and I think one was tipped onto the post by the keeper. He's just he, he, he's playing well enough in most games on that right-hand side and up front, but he's, he's really lacking goals at the minute and that's the problem. And we really need a goal scorer on our side, like we've talked about, and we can't really carry him at the minute in that respect. So, But I am pleased with his performances. He's just not capping them off with goals. I think you're right. I think Greenwood's the sort of guy who, once he scores, will probably go on a, a little run of form. You've, you've seen in the past that he is a, a calm and cool finisher when he's in form. And that's something that will stand in good stead, not only now, but throughout his career. With a young player, as I said earlier, I think it, you're always going to have peaks and troughs. And United at times maybe haven't had the luxury to take him out of the team um, when, when maybe that's what you would want to do. Because he's still one of United's best attacking players, even at the age he's at. And I think if you were to consider a Jaden Sancho, as we talked about last summer, if United had a player like him, on the right-hand side, Greenwood would be able to have the luxury of going in for a run of games and then coming out for a run of games, whereas at the moment, I would rely on Greenwood ahead of Martial. I think Ahmad's obviously a young talent coming through as well, so Greenwood's got the uh, priority over him in that position. So he is one of the names on the team sheet every week and part of you wonders if there's a wee bit of uh, burnout there because as a young player, expectations are always going to be thrust upon you at a club like Manchester United and and it can't always be easy to to handle those expectations because his rise was so quick and that is admirable because not every single footballer, not many footballers even, 
can make that level of impact in such a short space of time. But as I say, I think you need to be measured. And I think if Ollie could get his way, he would love to be able to bring him in and out rather than have to rely on him every single week. In the UK today, there was a chat on a major radio station, the fact that he's in the England under-21 Euro squad for their upcoming uh, group games for the tournament that are going to be played over the space of a week before the knockouts in the summer. And and I actually think that's a move that could help him an awful lot. Um, Danny Murphy mentioned it today. The fact he's not scoring goals with United at the moment probably means that this is a great opportunity for him to go away with the under-21s, maybe play against opponents that aren't of the necessarily elite level yet, which will give him more chances to stamp his authority in the game because there's no doubt he's talent. He's an exceptional player. He just needs to get that scoring streak back. And once he does, I think, once, as I say, once he scores, I think you'll see him go on a little run. Yeah, I think I 100% agree with you on Greenwood. Um, okay, moving on to the second leg against SC Milan. The, the, the first leg, I think we were very, very fortunate for it to finish a draw, even though we can see it right at the end, because they had a, gr- a goal, a fantastic volley, un- uh, unfairly ruled out for handball when it, it didn't actually touch his hand at all and it hit his hip. Um, and Maguire somehow missed from a yard out, hit the post. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got a goal through Ahmad, which is a fantastic header. It's, it reminded me of Chikorito. Um, but overall, Messi Milan were the better side and were fully worthy of the 1-1 draw in the end. So I know United are obviously better away from home than they are at home, but uh, I'm, I'm expecting a very difficult game in the San Siro. But there is some positive injury news with De Gea, Van der Beek, Cavani, Pogba and Martial all expected to be available. So what are your expectations ahead of the game? Paul Scholes made a very good point last week when he discussed the result and he said United got off with one tonight even though they drew. And he sort of made a wee remark at the end saying, in all honesty, (laughs) this result in a weird way might suit United because they will go to AC Milan and and they will probably play more on the counter rather than solely defending a lead. And you could argue that Milan will set up to defend a lead and United will have to break them down, but because Milan are going to be at home, there is going to be an onus in them to perform. And I don't think United are currently at the stage where a team like Milan in their stature can afford to sit back like a West Ham uh, did, for instance, because I don't think the fans would, would, would buy it. So I think you'll see a, a, a game that United counter-attack in. And to be honest with you, it could play into United's hands. But as we both said earlier, the start has to be quick because if they let Milan dominate the opening 10 or 15 minutes and get a goal ahead, you're just leaving yourself with so much work to do. And the last thing you want at these stages of the season, in my opinion, is extra time because when top four is not necessarily guaranteed, when you have got aspirations to win a trophy, I think you want to try and get as much as possible completed in the 90 minutes that you can because when you're playing 120 minutes on a Thursday evening and then you've got a game on a Sunday or whatever it may be you're putting yourself at risk of a shock result and a freak result so I just hope United can set up in a positive way I hope that they attack um, from the get-go but as I say if they play in the counter I wouldn't necessarily be 
adverse to that either because they've shown that they're capable of, of getting results that way. I just hope it's done in the 90 minutes because you mentioned those players coming back. There is a, an argument that playing a wee bit a wee bit more football in that match could help them, but it might help two or three of them and you've got another eight who won't help. So I think all he needs to see this is a major game where United can go, win, not necessarily win comfortably in terms of scoreline, but win confidently and, and, and see Milan off, move on to the next round and crucially, keep working to get that top four place secure. I know people might look at it and say, well, it's pretty much secure now, but I'm not I'm not entirely confident in this United team yet to, to say, oh, it's definitely done, we'll finish second or whatever it may be, I think. Until it's mathematically secure, uh, I, I won't be able to rest up. Yeah, I would be very happy to see United play on the counter-attack on, on, uh, on Thursday night. I think that would that's obviously our... Our best setup under Oli. That's when we get the, the the biggest results. And this, I know Milan are an attacking side, so they'll probably come on to us and they'll probably suit us. So I think Oli also has to play his his best eleven. Uh, and, and no offense to to Alex Telles, I think Luke Shaw has to start this game. I don't think there's any room for Nemanja Matic. It has to be the best eleven available. And then, if necessary, uh, we should have a strong bench, and he needs to u- utilize that bench. But uh, yeah, I'm quietly confident of getting a result. But we cannot start the way we did against RB Leipzig. If we do and go two 0 down very early, then that's it. It's game over. Absolutely, the defense, as we always say, with United is crucial because you cannot rest up. Um, and we're not at a stage where the defence is strong enough to be relied on for multiple clean sheets. And I know people will be screaming right now, saying, I've kept four clean sheets in a row. Yes, but at the same time, when you analyse that closely um, in terms of domestic football, you, you sh- the Chelsea game was cagey. I would expect a clean sheet against Palace. I would expect a clean sheet against... West Ham. Yes, Man City is one that's a real, real positive, but I think United away from home in an arena like the the San Siro to keep a clean sheet there and and really give yourself a base to play off of would be massive for this United team. Because I don't care what anyone says, Milan are still AC Milan. They have they've got the best team that they've had in a number of years, and they're a team who can, can hurt teams in their domestic league and also are probably a team that if they were to put United out, a lot of teams would fear going into the next round. So they are a formidable opponent, but they're not so formidable that United should be scared. United should be confident and happy to say to themselves, if we play our best, we win this game, because I think they will win this game if they play to their best. And I think that's just where the te- teams are now. As I say, Milan have improved, but United on paper, as I say, for me, should be beating them. So I think you need to have a solid defensive base. And as you said earlier, um, I agree with you. I think if United played in the counter, I wouldn't be adverse to it because I think I think it definitely suits some of the players in this team. Daniel James, when he starts a counter-attacking system, really does suit him when he's got the space to run in behind. So if, if you ask me, Keep it solid for the first 10 or 15 minutes. Stamp your authority in the game further up the park and take it from there because the last thing United need, as I say, is to go a goal behind early because when you're chasing a game, that's when you can make silly errors because you're 
you're rushing your movements. You're not got the the patience and the purpose of your play. You're, you're rushing it because you know what's at stake. So it's vital that that's addressed. Yeah, we have to start well. On we have to score the first goal, I think, and we have to be up. Uh, have to be clinical, which we haven't been recently. But uh, speaking of United not being clinical, there's been a big transfer story today in the MEN, and that is United have settled on Erling Haaland as their centre-forward priority in the transfer market. Solskjaer and John Murto mutually agree Haaland is the ideal long-term replacement for Romelu Lukaku. Erling Haaland is believed to be demanding a weekly salary of three hundred and fifty grand a week. United believes Solskjaer's relationship with Haaland and the player's talent will override the issue of dealing with Mina Raiola. So there's no point in me asking you will he be a good signing because that, there's an obvious answer to that. The answer is yes. So what I'll ask you is do you think United are capable of getting this over the line? I think they are capable of getting it over the line if they see it as being a real priority. The only thing would be the fee um, because I think there's rumours that he has a 75 million euro clause that comes in at the end of next season or the season after, whatever it may be. But because that's obviously not going to be something that's coming in anytime soon, Dortmund are going to demand top dollar. He is up there with the best strikers in the world. He's up there with Kane, he's up there with Lewandowski, he's up there with with many of the elite strikers. So I think there will be a premium to pay. When you look at his age, I think he'd be ideal. Um, for United as a talent even if he was 29 he would be ideal for United given his talent but age wise I think he's the sort of player you would love to bring in to United you would love to get him involved with some of the, the players alongside him like Rashford who's got pace to get in behind um, like Fernandes who can uh, who can spray through ball would a Haaland signing help keep someone like Pog Pog but the club it probably would Um and I know Paul's been criticised in recent years, but when you've got better players around you, it makes you a better player. And Pogba was never the main man at Juventus. He always had players around him. He also played with Pirlo, of course, in the midfield, who was a calming influence on him. Uh, Marquisio was another. So I think it's important to remember that for all the criticism that Paul Pogba's had from certain quarters, it's a lot easier to play football when you've got better players alongside you. It goes without saying. And and I think he would relish playing with Erling Haaland. And, and if United are in talks with Pogba over a new contract, that's been rumoured as well, whether it's true, I don't know, then you would assume that the relationship with Iola is never going to be perfect because of the nature of Mino and the way um, he is as a character. He's very um, boisterous. He's very um, loud when he has to be for his clients. And to be honest, I know he gets stick for it, but... That's his job as an agent. His job's not to represent Manchester United, Juventus, Arsenal, Chelsea. It's to represent the players, and he does that very well. So I think if United are speaking to him over the new contract for Pogba, then it's probably the perfect time to to have those conversations with Raiola, maybe in an informal sense, because Solskjaer knows the player, as you've mentioned. We all know his talent. And I think there is a deal to be done there if the player wants to come, because... Raiola has always been an agent. If the player wants to go somewhere and he can get a decent deal, he'll make it happen. And I think he's the the sort of guy who knows that long-term, a relationship with Manchester United is a good relationship to have because when COVID eventually 
calms to the point where fans are back in and money's been made again. United are the sort of club you probably do want to have a good relationship with because they are one of the major players in the market and they always will be one of the major players in the market. So if you've got the relationship with them, then at the end of the day, it's only going to benefit you long term. So I think he will be looking at that as well, um, to be honest with you. And I hope the move does happen. Of course I do, because to get a player of that level in Haaland, the age he's at, is a scary prospect. And I think if he was to arrive at United, you would see a lot of teams, your cities, your Liverpools, your Chelsea's and, and others who are probably fancying themselves as title contenders next season. You would see a lot of them take stock and think, wow, United are serious about progressing now. And I think it's important that they do that. The only worry I have, if I'm being brutally honest again, Ronaldo, there's talks he could be available for as low as £25 million. Is that a Galactico signing that Edward Wood and the Glazers would love to make? Would sell a lot of shirts if Cavani leaves, he takes on the number seven jersey. A lot of people get caught up in the nostalgia of it all. Is that maybe a more realistic option than Haaland? Only time will tell. Yeah, it would be great for the fans to have Ronaldo back at the club, but what is he, 36 now? I think going forward, the best thing to do would be to sign the 21-year-old Erling Haaland. I think that would make, make the most sense because Ronaldo hasn't got long left and Haaland is the future of European football. So if, that would be my priority. You know, I know it's romantic to have Ronaldo back at the club, but if I had a choice between the two, I think I would go for Haaland. But I, think, I agree. Yeah, I think we're going to face competition from the likes of City and PSG, possibly, and they won't have been affected by COVID the way other clubs have been. So do you think Solskjaer's relationship with the player will ensure that we get him ahead of those clubs, even if they're willing to pay him more money? I think that's where Solskjaer's relationship has to come in, and I think that's where he has to really sell the dream to him almost I think when you look at City the only worry I would have is the fact that Aguero's probably going to leave City um, Jesus isn't going to be the number one striker uh, I think even if you asked him he probably wouldn't expect to be the number one striker next season so my only worry is that United would be competing with City for him when there is a clear slot at Manchester City Pep Guardiola has an immense pull just as much as his relationship with Solskjaer is strong, the lure to work with a man who's worked with Messi and Iesta Javi and had success everywhere he's been must be tempting as well. So I'd be interested to see how that plays out if it comes to be a straight shootout between the two Manchester clubs. But in terms of PSG, I don't see PSG being a, a real contender for them because they're set to renew with Neymar. Um, Mbappé said to want parity with Neymar to renew as well. So in all honesty, with FFP, I don't really see PSG being able to compete this summer for a player like Haaland. I think if it goes to next summer, then absolutely, why couldn't he um, go there? Um, but in 2021, I don't see him going to, to PSG if he was to leave. I think it would be the, the Premier League because that's where, let's be honest, that's where the money is at this moment in time. Um, I know Barcelona is another one that's been mentioned as well for Haaland because of the, the recent change in president. But again, they've got a monumental wage bill. 
And the only way I would see that deal happening is if Messi was to move on because you would free up so much in wages and signing on fees. But then again, surely a Barcelona without Messi wouldn't be as attractive for someone like Haaland. Yeah, we we did beat uh, Man City to the signature of Robin, Robin Van Persie all those years ago, so hopefully we can do it again. Um, but it'd be very stressful summer if, if it's constant speculation over what club is going to go to for weeks on end to the end of the window. Uh, that's something I just can't be dealing with, to be honest. We've been there so many times. Um, yeah, I don't really see the likes of Barca and Madrid being in the run for him because uh, they're, have, they've had serious financial difficulties because of COVID. I think they were having financial trouble anyway, but this has com- compiled their woes and I don't see them as serious contenders for players at that end of the market. They're, I can't see them spending hundred million on a player in, in, in for a few years yet. Would you agree with that? I agree. Uh, I think the only way that they will sign a player for massive, massive money is if they can get a few of the, the big earners off the wage bill. United, really, for me, <laughs> we're, we're very lucky to miss out on Dembele from, from Barcelona. I think that's the sort of deal United need to avoid at all costs. He's a player who has a lot in wages. He's a player who, in all honesty, hasn't really fulfilled his potential. And I'm so glad United missed out on him because... I think that was a disaster wait to happen, if I'm all, in all honesty. You look at Griezmann at Barcelona, another player, even if he came onto the market, w- would there be the scramble that there was maybe a couple of years ago? I don't quite think so. Coutinho's another one to add to that list. Then you look at Real. The problem they have is all of their stars are now ageing. Cruz is older, Modric is older, Benzema is older. Where is the real sell-on value for Real Madrid with many of those top talents? So that's the big one with Madrid. I think if they can find some sort of cash injection from somewhere, then they could be an attractive proposition. But at the same time, as I've just mentioned, with so many of their stars being aging now, I mean, even Eden Hazard, they signed him for big money. And you're talking now 24 months on, 24 months older, would you get the same fee in return? I don't quite think so. You're talking about, as you say, two sides that are in a state of flux and they they really need to sell before they can buy, but I don't think they're going to see too many buyers. So if it is to be a move for Haaland this summer, it will be the Premier League, in my opinion. Um, And I think, to be honest with you, if Dortmund don't make the Champions League, then he will move. There's no way Mino Raiola's going to stomach him playing Europa League football at this stage of his career. There's just no way that 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 would be the case. It would it would drive him nuts, and I'm sure it would drive the player nuts as well. But as we speak, Dortmund are getting ever closer to that Champions League spot, and the, the, the cynic in you thinks, is there a way that Dortmund qualify for the Champions League? He signs a new deal at Dortmund, but with a very low release clause coming in next summer, um, and that would keep Dortmund's fans happy, it would keep them happy, albeit they'd lose them at a cheaper price in 2022 rather than 2021. Yeah, um, Dortmund was always designed to be a halfway house for him anyway. So I think this summer was always going to be the time when Riola will look to move him on and hopefully he comes our way. You you were mentioning Madrid's squad being aging there. There's actually speculation that they're going to bring Ronaldo back to Real Madrid. I mean, surely what they need is young players 
to you know reduce the average age of their, their team. But now they want to bring back Ronaldo on top of all the aging players like Benzema, Cruz, and, and Modric. Uh, and Hazard, like you say, is, is he's been nothing but injury prone since he's arrived. And yeah, I guess Madrid and Barcelona need to sell to buy, but as you say, it's going to be very difficult for them to get a lot of these players off the books. Hopefully, City will, will get Lionel Messi and then that will leave us free to get Haaland. That, that would probably be the ideal scenario. Another priority signing, obviously, is a centre-back. That's an absolute must. Um, there's been lots of names linked, um, one of them being Ben White. Uh, do you think uh, he would be a good signing for United? It would, be, it would be dependent on the fee. Um, I think Ben White's a player who is highly rated. Obviously, Leeds were desperate to keep him. Um, he performed very well when he was there. Brighton have been a team that, when you look at their expected goals, the position they're in is a, a real, real strange situation. Um, and I think they're the top striker away from pushing for the top 10, if I'm, if I'm honest. But um, I think he would be a, he'd be a good signing, but is he the centre-back to address United's woes? Well, I was going to say probably not, but you just never know in football. Um, I think centre-back's one of those positions that it's hard to it's hard to look at centre-backs across the world of football and say he's a bona fide world-class centre-back. I think it's very hard to do that these days. Koulibaly, someone who's been mentioned for many years for not only United but many clubs, but He's never really moved on from Napoli. And again, I, I just think if he was the world beater that the media think he is, he would have moved before now. City or United or um, even even a Juventus in that league or a Bayern, somebody would have came and put the money in the table if they felt that he would have the Van Dyke impact that Van Dyke had in Liverpool. So. I think an out-and-out world-class centre-back is very hard to find. I think it's probably going to be a centre-half like a Ben White or someone of that age who has their best years ahead of them that United target. Um, the English factor, I suppose, is something that, that will come into play there for United because there's obviously the, the homegrown quota. And if you are going to sign players for that homegrown quota, then why not sign some of the very best if you possibly can? So... It's one that could make sense because if, if White was to go and join, for instance, say, a Tottenham in the summer, then you're talking probably about triple the price this time next summer. So it would probably be wise to go and get him now if if, if that's the type of centre-back you're wanting. Another one that I think is a good centre-back at the moment is Fafana at Leicester. Whether yes. United fancy going and giving Leicester another astronomical amount for a centre-half, I don't quite know, but but he's definitely another one who's who's very impressive and, and one that I think would improve United. But it'll be interesting to see how how they how they go. I mean, if Haaland is in the market, it'll be fascinating to see where United prioritise. Do they prioritise a striker like him and leave the centre-back position for another year or sign a stopgap? Or do they prioritise the centre-back position and then risk having to go for a stopgap up front like they tried to do with Cavani this year. It's going to be fascinating either way. Yeah, I think if they spend big on a striker, they're going to have to look for a cheaper option at the back, and, and maybe Ben White might be that. For Fana, you know, he's, if they're going to charge £80 million for Harry Maguire, 
what are they going to charge for a, a brilliant looking centre back like Profana? I mean, it could be upwards of a hundred. So that's why I don't see that as a realistic option. Another name that's been mentioned is Pau Torres at, at Villarreal. I haven't seen too much of him, but he does look like a decent player. I think he scored last week in in the Europa League. Have you seen much of him, Callum? I've seen bits and bobs. I wouldn't I wouldn't pretend to say that I've watched Villarreal week in week out. Um, one of the things that's crucial about him, of course, is the fact that he's a left-footed centre-back, which United are, of course, um, looking for for a wee bit more balance in that back four. Um, so he ticks that box. Um, he, he's playing week in, week out at Villarreal. La Liga, for me, isn't the league that it was um, three or four years ago. Doesn't mean it, that he's any less than of a footballer. He probably would be an option that interests United, given, as I say, the, the left-footed nature of him. And the fact that he's played regularly week in, week out in a major division. Again, though, it comes down to price. Teams in Spain have release clauses. Um, I'd be lying if I said off the top of my head that I know what his release clause is. But that might be one that you look at because he might be easier to get out of a team like Villarreal than than some of the other options, as we've talked about with um, with Fafana. be very hard. Though. Same here, I've just, I've just looked at it. 60 million euro release clause well if that's true and it's 56 million quid then United might fancy paying that when you look at what City paid for um, Ruben Diaz then United might fancy 56 million quid if it's a case of going paying the money get your man um, it might work out well for United because as you know as soon as me when United are involved in, in, in deals where they have to negotiate with clubs. It normally ends in saga and disaster. So the fact there's a set fee there could help United in that regard. And at £56 million, it might be the sort of deal that if United rate them highly enough, they prioritise and get done ASAP because there is a major tournament coming up this summer. It's going to be crucial for teams to get players in early. And if you rate them, go and get them, pay the money and make sure you show to your rivals in City, Liverpool and others that you're serious about improving next season. I mentioned it earlier with all these rumoured new contracts. Great news, but you need to back them now. You can't do what you did with Mourinho. Give him a new contract, have a limp and lapse summer and then sack him 12 months later with a bigger payout. You need to give him the new deal, give him the confidence, give him the trust to go out and make you even better. Yeah, if we can get a, a centre forward on the centre back in this window of top that are top quality, then I'll be a, a really positive window, uh, and I'd be happy with that for the time being. And then going forward after that, I'd be looking at signing a maybe an upgrade on Fred, like a, a world class uh, defensive midfielder. But for now, I think the priority should be someone like Haaland, and then maybe someone like. Torres or White at the back and then a, that would be a good window especially in the current circumstances and if we can get a get a few more players out the door as well um, do, you, do you see any high pro I know obviously the likes of Lingard would probably leave on a permanent basis and the, Phil Jones would probably leave and uh, maybe even someone like Matic but do you see one Mata as well and um, do you see any high profile uh, players leaving like De Gea or Pogba what do you think I think one of the goalkeepers leaves this summer for sure I think United will try and cash in in one of them um, I've got a feeling they might cash in in Dean Henderson to be honest with you I think 
he's young enough for United to command a, a really good fee. And I think that's something that might come into their minds. The fact that he's English as well puts, I suppose, puts an extra premium on it too. And I think United will fancy themselves in this market to be able to fetch 40 or, or £50 million pounds for, for either goalkeeper. And, and if we're talking about a centre-back and a centre-forward being the two key positions, then they need to raise money. Lingard, I think, would raise you a decent amount, but given his form at West Ham, he might raise you around £20 million, pounds, maybe even more, who knows. Um, but I think if, if United are in a position where they're going to prioritise two or three key positions, they need to sell before they can they can just go about buying. So that being the case, I think you get rid of Juan Mata and get his wages off the, the, the wage bill, although he's been a fantastic servant. I think you, you do that. I think you also try and get Phil Jones to take on a coaching contract at the club and reduce his salary probably maybe at least in half um, to stay at the club and work in a background role, save money that way. Thankfully, they've already got rid of someone like Araujo, which is good. But in terms of other players that they could get rid of, Andres Pereira is another one for me that has to go. I think United should try and get, get him out the door on a permanent basis. I don't think he'll command much of a fee. He's off the bench a lot at Lazio. He's not playing week in, week out there. So I think he's the sort of player that you could probably cut a deal with with one of the the bottom 10 Premier League clubs or even a newly promoted club to to take him on. Might be a fee of maybe £10 million, maybe 15 at a real push. But I think that's the sort of business that United need to do because Liverpool have shown for many years where Jan Brewster, Dominic Solanke um, and many others that they can command fees for players that they don't want or don't need. So it's important that United now with a new structure start to do the same because how many times have we seen in the past that United let a player go for next to nothing and they go on and have a decent spell elsewhere. The Lingard situation is one of the situations that's made sense for once. I think there'd have been a lot of fans, to be honest with you, that if Lingard went for a free, would have said, brilliant, delighted he's gone. And if he did go on a free, look at the look at the fee United would have missed out on because as I say, I think you'll get I think you'll get about 20 million quid plus for Lingard. Interesting what you said about Henderson there. Let's see what happens with regards to the goalkeeping situation. It's definitely going to be very interesting. But okay, we'll leave it there. Thanks for coming on again, Callum, and good luck to Scotland and the Euros. No, thanks for that. Anytime, as you know. And, and, and as you say, with the goalkeeping situation, the reason I say that is there's no way United want to carry the amount of wages they offered to here and Henderson. They're spending nearly half a million pounds a week on two goalkeepers. That's insane at any level. And I think if United want to strengthen and get a centre-back and get a striker or get another midfielder of sufficient quality, something has to give. And I think that's the position that on paper makes sense to give because regardless of who you sell, you're still going to be left with a decent option elsewhere rather than like with Lukaku, you sell your main striker and you maybe don't have a, a replacement ready. OK, time will tell if you're right. Um, OK. Have you on? I'll have you on again. Uh, hopefully, in the next few months. Okay. Brilliant. All the best. Take care. Okay. See ya.